and welcome back to another episode of De Stefano Talks, talking Scottish football, and this is episode number 21. On the podcast with me today, it is none other than our resident Hearts fan, Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you, Stefan. What about yourself, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad, mate. It's just you and me today, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this to, to see how we get on. I, I prefer having a podcast with like more than than two people but the audience are just going to have to hear us talk football for the next 40 minutes or so but we'll we'll, we'll see how we got on how was your weekend was it good yeah it's great i mean obviously no no hearts fixture so they can't ruin the weekend somehow um but that being said i think we're all just at the stage where we're sort of sick of the season aren't we it's, it's just a case of we're looking at the off season and obviously scotland at the euros and i don't think it can come any quicker for the majority of us yeah, it's it's been a hellish season to be honest. It's um, I, I really hope this is a the last sort of season we we have to endure with no fans being in stadiums because it has been brutal. I was thinking because it was just me and you today. I was thinking how do I how do I introduce him? How do I give him this great introduction? And I don't know if you ever watched WWE when you were a wee guy, but there was this guy called Mister Kennedy, and he would walk to the ring and he'd be like the mic would like come down from the roof. And he'd be like, my name is Mr. Kennedy. And I, I was thought I was going to do something like that, but then I, I, I refrained. But I, I thought it would be funny to mention. You bottled it. I did, mate. I did. Um, if nobody's heard that, I'll put the, the, the little phrase he says in right here. Obviously, we've got a lot of action to talk through. The The aim of the podcast is to come on and, and talk Scottish football, um, you know, recap the games, talk about all the talking points. However, coming into this one, we, we sort of have to talk about something that, that I don't really want to talk about because I would rather focus on the football. But I think in terms of it's an issue that, that happens um, in Scottish society far too often to, to just be ignored now. Um, you know, uh, and I'm talking about sectarianism, but I'm also talking about the events that, that unfolded in Glasgow on Saturday. And as much as I don't want to talk about it, it's, I think it's it's a necessary discussion to sort of have. Um, everybody knows what went on um, with after Rangers won their the league title. Um, their fans descended on, on George Square and... Adam, I, th- I think you've seen it on social media, just the, the sort of carnage and, and violence that ensued. What, what was your sort of thought process when you when you seen it all? I mean, what can I say other than just it's totally unacceptable. I mean, I'm all for, you know, peaceful scenes, showing your support, but that's not showing your support, is it? I mean, the elation for me just cannot turn into violence whatsoever. And the fact that it does... I just it's such a bad look on Rangers, Scottish football. Um, do you know, I, I, I've, I was actually quite a big fan of sort of the Union Bears and the Pyro down the Clyde. I, th- I thought that looked quite cool. You know, it's not violent. It's just them, I guess, yeah, showing their support and obviously their, their gratitude towards Steven Gerrard and the playing squad to get them back in the position that they're in. But I mean, what what then ensued on the streets of Glasgow and on George Square? I think it was what Saturday evening, Saturday night, and what have yeah. you. It's just bang out of order, and I think we need only look at. You know, I I know that St Johnston don't have nearly as many fans as Rangers, but when they won the League Cup and what have you, 
it was a lot more civilized. There was no real sort of parade, if you will, given obviously it's they're nowhere near as big a club. There's not as many fans and what have you. But I'm not excusing the fact that because Rangers are a massive club mm. and that there's so many people that they have to sort of just be let loose, if you like. They have to remain under control. And I think, you know, I don't know, I don't know who to blame here. I don't know who if I can blame the authorities, if I can blame the government. It's, ultimately, nobody takes sort of responsibility for their own actions, and that is why we've seen what we've seen, unfortunately. It's it's the second time within the space of two months that George Square has become the, the centre of of mass disturbance, I, I suppose would be the the politest way to put it. The the sort of carnage that we've seen on the streets over the last two times is has been nothing short of disgraceful, to be quite honest with you. And you know, you you mentioned the pyro on Friday. I, I can get behind that. I think I think that's pretty pretty cool. It's a it's a good way to show your support. I, I even think in the video I think you know there's there's a decent amount of space between people. I don't Yeah, they seemed like they were at a distance, didn't they? And they were actually sort of complying with the regulations and what have you. Yeah, exactly. So do you know what? If that's how people want to go and support, that's fine. I, I by all means I can get behind that. As for celebration, again I said it on Pass the Mic yesterday, I can get behind that. I can get behind people that, that want to go out and celebrate, you know, winning their first league title in over a decade I can I can as a football fan I can feel the emotion behind it and I can see why they would want to do it however Saturday scenes weren't a scene of celebration it, it was nothing short of disgraceful violence that, that ensued and for what I, I don't know what were people being so angry about they just won a league title I I don't understand how it all just escalated into this this sort of violent scene you know attacking police officers attacking themselves stabbing people where does it all come from celebrating a league title it just doesn't make sense to me and you make the point who do we blame well i think you know the obvious place to start is to blame the the mindless idiots themselves for for you know taking part in in what happened but i think you also have to blame the the authorities as well i think you know Everyone knew, everyone and their dog knew that Glasgow and George Square were going to be a place that Rangers fans would all head to once, you know, the league was, was wrapped up. Why wasn't George Square cordoned off? Why was there not stuff put in place to, to prevent to prevent this from going onwards? But I think you also have to look at the club and say that were their messages of dispersal strong enough? I, well, that... I don't I don't think they were. Well, this was going to be my point because obviously then Rangers will leap to the defence of, you know, we warn supporters that they can only celebrate within their own households, that they're not to take to the streets, not to come to Ibrox and what have you. And yet, lo and behold, during the Rangers Aberdeen, you can literally hear the fireworks in Govan going off. So yeah. I, I don't want to blame Rangers themselves per se, but surely they've got to do a little bit more. And this whole statement being released to warn fans, it's not enough for me. No, I, I think more has to be done, to, to be quite honest with you. And, I, you know, I understand that people will say, well, you can't blame Rangers because they put a statement out. But I don't think the statement that they put out was strong enough. I, I really don't think that. And, you know, do people need to take notice of a statement? No, probably they don't. But considering it's the club that they love and it's the club that they support, they should, you know, understand that the position that, that their actions could put in the club. But we've also seen situations over the weekend where Rangers players have been spotted in the, the hospitality section of Ibrooks, you know, with 
clear COVID COVID breaches. I, again, it's just it's a whole weekend that I think has been a, an embarrassment for Rangers, but an embarrassment for the for the Scottish game. And I, I think more has to be done from from all involved to to sort of you know take 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 accountability for for what happened because it, it is nothing short of disgraceful it is an embarrassment to to scotland it's an embarrassment to the scottish game it's an embarrassment to every scottish club it, it's an embarrassment to to the fans of of other clubs and it's a it's a spit in the face to fans of other clubs who have stayed at home throughout the midst of this global pandemic not been able to see their club not gone out to to celebrate wins it's it's just it's a it's a massive spit in the face uh, in my opinion and you know the actions need to to have consequences. I know Police Scotland have have made multiple arrests, but you know the scenes that we've seen, um, well, just nothing short of disgraceful. Um, Rangers did release a statement, Adam, um, condemning the the actions. He said we worked closely with authorities for two weeks before Saturday's match to ensure a consistency uh, in message. Sadly, a small minority of people behaved inappropriately and in a manner not reflective of our support. Some of the scenes were unacceptable and have besmirched the good name of Rangers Football Club. The so-called fans should reflect upon their values and ethos of our club and consider the damage this has done to the reputation of the club. One or two things I take away from that. Is it a minority now, Adam? Um, I would say given the sheer volume of people that, that it's probably not. No. I think you need only look at the scene sort of outside Ibrox and outside... I mean, I just the sheer number of people. How can they still maintain that it's a small minority? Yeah, I, I, it's one thing I I can't understand. I think it's a buzzword now that that clubs use, and you know the football association use, or police use, uh, or you know government figures use as a buzzword to sort of play down the part that, that supports take and I don't know why because you can clearly see from video footage from you know pictures that this isn't a small minority anymore I, I don't understand how what how and why you know people still continue to, to push this narrative because it isn't it, it really really isn't and you know that's a that's a, an official statement from the club it's almost downplaying the the actions, in my opinion. Between that and I, I hate the use of the the phrase "these so-called fans," as though by implying that they're not Rangers supporters, it just seems as though they're going to alleviate all blame from kind of the situation. I, I just feel that's that's pretty cowardly, to be honest. No, I'm I'm in agreement with that. I, you know, it's the term. It's as if well, they're 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 not really fans. They're not really our problem because they're, they're so-called fans. Like fans wouldn't do this. It's a sort of you know a way to, to as you've said alleviate the blame. So I can't disagree with that. Um, the SFA also released a statement. Uh, President Rod Petrie said that the Scottish FA congratulates Rangers on winning the Scottish Premiership title. While the majority of the club's fan base will have celebrated this achievement safely and in line with COVID-19 guidelines across the country and beyond, the scenes witnessed in and around Glasgow's George Square have brought embarrassment to the national game. Scenes that require the First Minister, Justice Secretary, Police Scotland and the Scottish Police Federation to issue condemnatory statements and images that dominated the news agenda throughout the weekend represent an abomination and not a celebration. Those responsible for sectarian singing, for vandalism and for inflicting physical damage may attach themselves to football 
but cannot be considered football fans. Police Scotland have made a number of arrests and more are expected to follow. The SFA has recently issued its Equality, Diversity and Inclusion strategy called Football Unites. Events on Saturday at George Square served only to depict our game in the poorest light and we condemn the behaviour in the strongest terms. We empathise with fans who have been in deprived of attending matches throughout this pandemic. That, however, does not excuse the behaviour of those who brought chaos to the streets in the name of football this weekend. Again, I'm looking at that statement and I'm looking for a strong statement from the the Scottish Football uh, Association, you know, the, the governing body of Scottish football. And it uses buzzwords again and it, it, it tells you how how it's an abomination and they tell you how how unsatisfactory it is but they don't tell you what they're going to do about it that is it's for me it's it's not great um you know he mentions the justice secretary Hamza Youssef who came out on national radio and called the the events anti-catholicism and anti-catholic yet Rod Petrie uses the term sectarianism well we know the the songs that were being sung on Saturday uh, were uh, definitely sectarian. However, part of that is it's anti-Catholic. And instead of using a, the word sectarianism, which covers a broad range of 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 things, uh, broad broad range. You know, if you're sectarian, you can be anti-Islam. You can be, uh, you know, against multiple religions. It's a broad term. Why not just call it for what it is and, and call it anti-Catholic? Because that is what it is. And if you're wanting to release a strong statement, that you know, to tell people how 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 bad it is, then surely you you hit it with the strongest, you know, possible words. Uh, am I wrong? No, you're not. And I think it's another powder puff statement. I, I mean, I've got to be honest. I, I wasn't expecting much from the SPFL. I thought that their silence or kind of reluctance to acknowledge what was happening. For as long as it's gone on, I mean, this is what Monday afternoon, and they've only just come out with it. Um, you'd have thought that something would have been said on Sunday for me, um, but obviously that's not proved the case. I think I don't know whether it's just naivety and sort of hoping that the situation will go away, as as we've seen for you know years upon years of of this type of behaviour. Um, but it's just got to be cut out. Is I'm sorry, but this. This has gone on for far too long and will continue to go on for far too long unless the relevant authorities do or step up their efforts to try and, you know, eliminate it from Scottish society. It, it genuinely, the scenes that we saw on Saturday, um, uh, and I'm going to use this phrase, so I'm, I'm going to give a trigger warning here when I, when I say it, but, you know, the scenes that we saw on Saturday were nothing short of an absolute cancer to, to Scottish society uh, and to the Scottish game. And I think it really is on the clubs that, that are involved, you know, the club that is involved. I think it's on the, the Scottish footballing authorities. I think it's on the police and I think it's on the government to, to find a way how we can eradicate scenes like this because it, it is just not on every, you know, normal day Glaswegians uh, who were in the city, you know, attempting to shop or who were in the city attempting to work or pub owners or restaurant owners that in the midst of a global pandemic have not been able to work and get a earn a living 
had to some had to close their businesses because of the the idiocy and the violence that was on the streets of Glasgow is nothing short of a, a disgrace. And why are are normal people who are trying to earn a living or trying to go about their daily lives who haven't been able to in the midst of a global pandemic not being able to because these idiots are running amok is is disgraceful and this is genuinely scenes that that we can't see again. However, if you know institutions, these departments of government aren't willing to to make a, a true change then sadly these are scenes that we will see again and one other final thing that i, I want to mention is the the media have to have a, a sort of equal uh balance to the the condemnation you look at celtic when they went to dubai or celtic fans when they went up to celtic park both which were wrong by the way um you know that, that were totally out of order two things that should not have happened and two things that i have uh publicly slated Celtic for, uh, the media were all over that. However, so far today I've seen a couple of articles um, talking about how, how it's an embarrassment. However, 36 hours after the after the initial incident, you know, within 12 and 24 hours of the incidents, we had uh, certain uh, outlets with articles talking about the dangerous pitch being dug up and, and how it's going to be, a, how, how it's going to be an upgrade. What, why are we having talking about pitch upgrades when we should be talking about serious societal issues that that happened on saturday i don't i don't understand that adam no that's that's just tragic for me um the, the fact that they're not willing to acknowledge you know it's such a, a a big part of scottish society sadly um and instead they're focusing on you know a turf i mean really it's just it's absolutely pathetic i mean i'd understand it if it was mid-season or between seasons and there's a slow news day but to come out with that and sort of just dismiss the idea that the Rangers fans have been let loose singing what they're singing doing what they're doing it's embarrassing it really is and all all you know as someone who wants to to you know be a journalist and work within the industry all I'm looking for is a fair balance in reporting and a fair balance in condemnation none of which i i think i've seen yet and we're we're 30 we're just over 36 hours after the fact so or probably more than 36 hours after the fact but it's just it's not great um i think the coverage from some has been weak and i i, I don't under i don't understand why but you know i i think we've we've spoke at length about this enough i think we've made our, our feelings clear i think you know you're a hearts fan uh I, i'm a celtic fan you know i i think it's just seems that that no football fan in scotland wants to to see and, and wants to you know have taken over uh in, in what has been a, a dreadful season but just rather the football does the, the talking i suppose definitely um right let's let's move on um because I, I know we spent we've spent a wee while on that um so let, let's move on to the actual games itself the, the sort of things that we should be focusing on um let's look at the the game between hamilton and kilmarnock um it was a game for for kelly that they had to win um to, to at least try to to make sure that they can they can sort of assure safety um and it was against a team that were already but <laughs> if not mathematically, uh, relegated before the game kicked off. Adam, what, what, getting into the Hamilton-Kelly game, what did you think? I was thinking, if ever there was a team that had to win 10-0 to preserve their top-flight status, Hamilton Ackies were probably that team. Um, but that being said, I mean, I, I fancied Kelly beforehand when I wrote my 
whoscored.com preview um, and a variety of previews. I've said numerous times that I, I believe that Kyle Lafferty will single-handedly fire them to safety. Obviously, in this case, it wasn't. It was Mitch Pinnock with, with two great goals. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I fancied Kelly because ultimately what are Aki's playing for? Like you say, they're all but mathematically downheading into this one. I think that was reflected in Brian Rice's team selection. Seemed to give numerous teenagers a chance, including a, a debut for a, a young teenage goalkeeper. Um, and, you know, the onus was all on Kelly to first and foremost do their own job while simultaneously hoping that Motherwell could do them a favour against Ross County at Fir Park. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're, you've summed that up pretty well, because um, I, I thought the same. Um, you know, I had the, the sort of, I don't know if I would call it a privilege, but I had the ability to, to watch the game for Pass the Mic yesterday, and, um, you know, Kelly looked like they were they were in cruise control for most of it. Hamilton, I think, had already accepted their 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 fate you know unless they had a i think it was like a 10 goal or nine goal turnaround <laughs> they were they weren't going to avoid relegation so i think they accepted it and especially when Kilmarnock scored through pinnock i think they they just sort of knew right well let's just try and keep this this at a low a low scoring uh you know a fair you know pinnock respectable scoreline or whatever yeah, uh, I suppose to to keep the damage uh, at a minimum uh, before they they go down to the the championship. Uh, Pinnock scored two nicely taken goals. I, I I would call it. I think they were two fantastic finishes. Um, and all but set Kilmarnock for for at the time looked like a a win and, and a a ride to to tenth place as Ross County at the time were getting beat by by Motherwell. However, um, it wasn't to be. Just looking at, at Hamilton, just looking at the game, should Martin have, have been sent off? You know, he, he made a chance. He, he was, I think it was him or it was a Hamilton player who was robbed of the ball um, on the edge of his own box. And as the Kelly player ran in, uh, Martin, I, I would say, um, needlessly brought him down. Do you, do you think it should have been a red card? I'm in two minds, to be honest with you, mate. I, I mean, it's a definite foul. It's an absolute stonewaller. And I guess if we're being honest, Aaron Martin, after taking a terrible touch, um, denies Kyle Lafferty a goal-scoring opportunity. So I think when we consider all the factors, it perhaps is a bit fortunate to stay on the park for me. I'd, I'd, I feel as though I'd be inclined to, to show him a red as opposed to a yellow on this occasion. Yeah, I, I, I did think at the time it was a red card. I, I thought there's no excuse for that. It's a clean goal-scoring opportunity. And I know I said it was a needless tackle. I meant it was a cynical tackle. But um, I, I think that's a, a sending off. But uh, the referee's obviously had it, put it at his discretion. He's given it a yellow. I can't really complain. But I think, if I'm being honest, I think it should have been a red card. Um, the penalty was saved by Smith. It was a good stop. But uh, it didn't alter the result that you know that much. Uh, Kelly went on and, and remained two 0 in front, and ultimately uh, sent Hamilton down with a loss. Um, what's next for for Kelly then? They're they're facing Dundee. Do you, do you see Kelly sort of being upset by Dundee, and and they could also join Hamilton down in the Premier uh, the Championship, or do you think this is just a case of the Premiership team will be too strong? I'm. Um, do you know what? I I really don't know. I think it's a big win for Kelly in terms of entering the, the playoff final with that little bit of confidence. I think the draw in midweek against St Mirren, having been two goals up, their heads could have easily dropped. So that was, you know, a, a bad draw that ultimately felt like a defeat. And I know that they had to win on Sunday, but 
I think it's important that even despite them trying to avoid the playoff matches, now they're in them, but they've got that win, so they've got to sort of get on with it. Um, I had a feeling that Ross County would occupy that playoff place for a, for a good wee while and that Dundee would beat them. I don't get that same impression now that it's, it's Killy because I also spoke of Kyle Lafferty's importance. Um, I think that the inconsistency of Dundee's defence may mean that Kelly are granted some opportunities that he and others simply have to take. Um, and, you know, when I've watched Dundee, I, I've labelled them the entertainers of the championship one way or another because I think it's something like only Queen of the South and Alwa have conceded more goals in the championship regular season than Dundee, yet only Hearts have scored more than them. So... The playoffs should be very intriguing indeed. Um, when you when you weigh up Kelly against a, an inconsistent Dundee, we just need to see which Dundee turns up. Yeah, no, I I can't disagree with that. Um, I'm very much in the the same mind. How much of a shock to Scottish football would it be if uh, Kelly did end up going down? Um, would would you consider that a massive shock? Um, probably considering that Kelly have been sort of mainstays for as long as I can recall in the Premiership. I mean, I think they said on, on sports scene that it's something like 29 years that Kilmarnock have been in the top tier. So it's all I've ever known, all you've ever known. Yeah. Um, and I think pre, sort of pre-season kicking off, I don't think anybody could have really foreseen that Kilmarnock would be dragged into that, that kind of predicament. Um, yeah. And obviously the history of the playoffs... Off the top of my head, it's only really Hamilton and Livingston that have come up through them. I don't think anybody else has. So, you know, it just all depends on if you believe that there's a massive gulf between your lower-end premiership teams and higher-end championship teams. I personally don't, mm. which seems to make this a really intriguing clash one way or another, like I say. Okay, look. Um, let's move on to the other sort of game that had relegation implications for at least one of the teams, Motherwell versus Ross County. Somewhat of a lucky goal from Motherwell, would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, it, it certainly is. I mean, the finish is fortunate, but what I will say is that I thought it was a tidy build-up from Motherwell. Um, a lovely flick round the corner from your mate Devante goal. Um, yep, love it. Jake Casey obviously finds the, the overlapping Mark O'Hara sends in a very inviting ball um, but whoever the county defender that slips onto the deck is I think it might be Cole Donaldson I'm not sure really ought to clear and it doesn't look as though Sam Foley's intending to make any contact with the ball but ultimately sends it goalward the camera angle actually makes it look as though Devante Cole's got a wee glancing touch on it but Obviously not, and then you're looking at it thinking it's a superb start for, for the Steelmen, who, again, are only really playing for seventh place and that little bit extra prize money. Yeah, no, exactly. I think you make a great point there with uh, Devante Cole, um, you know, putting the, you know, being the assist maker for this goal, because I think he's Motherwell's top goal scorer. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's why I call him Devante Cole. Just wanted to, to point that out. The stats back up the, the name, so yeah. Um, not going to bite now. No, I, I, I'm just going to leave it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Devante Cole, but not necessarily his nickname. Okay, okay. Let's let's move on. Um, Ian Viger's former Motherwell player. What a finish. It's a stunning finish. Um, but again, from a Motherwell perspective, I just feel as though it's far too easy. Robbie Crawford loses him too easily for me. There's not enough pressure from neither him nor Foley. Ricky Lamy doesn't come out. So 
I just feel as though it's so naive to sort of let Vigers have a free hit. Um, you know, it's a simple run from midfield. We give and go, and Robbie Crawford just doesn't track the run. But that being said, I mean, I love a sort of open up the body type finish and having bent it into the top corner with that left peg, it's an absolute peach. Yeah, I I was really impressed with the with the finish. But I think you know you mentioned it from Motherwell's point of view. It's a poor goal to lose. I, I, you know there was I can't remember who the player was, but he was behind Vigers when he went to take the shot on, and he, I think he missed the slide tackle. It's one of those that, that can can prove costly uh, when you don't make the the challenge you know sufficiently um, or or correctly because it, it has cost Motherwell a goal, but. I don't think Liam Kelly can can do much about it. I think he's you know he, he's it's not really his fault for it, but I, you know a stunning finish for, from Vigers nonetheless. And I think it was Gogs or Stevie that that mentioned saying, "Oh, I wish he'd done that in his time at Motherwell because it was a peach." Um, a cool finish from from Michael Gardine that secured County's premiership status with a with a 2-1 win what, what did you think of the finish did you think it was offside because when i first seen it i am um, i i thought it was initially offside but the uh replays we didn't get the benefit of of seeing an angle so i had to do it manually but i've, I've kind of came to the conclusion that it's not offside what did you think no I, I didn't feel as though he was off i i just felt as though it was quite lucky and that jordan white sort of gets a second bite of the cherry in order to release him. Um, there was a chance that Michael Gardine had in the first half where I thought that he should have squared it. So I think it's just as well that he uh, he later makes amends. But I think if you were to ask sort of a, a county fan to name a player that they'd want to score the goal in order for them to survive, their all-time record goal scorer, Michael Gardine, would probably be top of their list. Um, a real club legend... A, a staggy stalwart if you will and it's a fantastic finish again and Motherwell arguably could have and should have capitalised up the other end and lo and behold it's as simple as being punished on a, a Ross County break Yeah, uh, you make it clear there the, I think even Viger scoring it it was two Ross County stalwarts that, that secured them their, their place in the, the Premiership so no, a, a decent result and you know one John Hughes will be happy with do you expect to see John Hughes at uh, Ross County next season? I don't see why not, to be honest. I think if County are looking at their, their Highland rivals in Verness and the job that John Hughes did with them, they'd they'd take a bit of cup glory in some some European action. Why not? I mean, Roy McGregor has, you know, been very vocal in his ambition. He, he's more than happy to, to throw money, for want of a better phrase, um, with at Ross County. So if, the, if John Hughes can get the, the adequate personnel... Um, and he's given the chance, then I, I don't see why not. Because ultimately, he was brought in to to serve a purpose, and he's achieved, you know, the expectation or the rather the goal of keeping Ross County in the division. Mm. Okay, let's move on to the the final game of Sunday afternoon. Uh, a very dull and boring affair. You had the privilege of watching it. St Mirren versus Dundee United. Sum it up for us. Um, what I would say is that it certainly wasn't a privilege. Um, I've seen some shocking games this season, but that was right up there. And to be honest, the only bit of meaningful action I actually missed because I was too busy looking at the stream. <laughs> so um, having seen it back, obviously the, the Jamie Robson sending off, shocking first touch over the ball, a, a definite straight red for me, despite he and one of the Dundee United centre-halves um, disbelief at, at the red card being shown. But mm. other than that, 
couple chances at either end. Um, Lee Irwin, I think, and Eamon Brophy missed a couple sitters in particular. Lauren Shankland, who coincidentally was given the, the Dundee United armband for the first time, um, you know, was was quite quiet. But again, sort of his chances were, were straight at Jack Anik. So really, really, really poor. And two teams who, listen, have had decent seasons, all things considered, but I think we'll be glad that <laughs> that, that it's uh, it's over. Mm. What I find interesting about that game is you were covering it, right? And you are a guy that has been compared to being someone like Johnny Sutherland because you look quite similar, apparently. And you were then compared to Lauren Shankland and Kieran Trippier. And what I just find so so comical about it is the key moment of the game that you missed was um, similar to a key moment that Chris Kamara missed uh, for for Soccer Saturday, and I just can't help but feel I don't know if it's just your luck, but you get compared to all these people. But the Chris Kama, uh, the the Cami one was just spectacular because it was just it was Cami esque the way you did it. It, it. it was honestly quite funny. I, I, did you do it on purpose? No, I, I genuinely didn't. Like I say, I was too busy looking at, at the stream in the chat. Um, and listen, I've had many a, a shocking comparison, um, but. I'd certainly take Chris Kamara. Absolute legend. Love Cammy. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was comedic gold. I loved that. Loved that. Um, as we said, it was dull and boring, so we'll, we'll move on apart from the red card, but we'll move on to arguably another dull and boring game. Uh, I think there was half of the games uh, this weekend were absolutely dull and boring, but um, let's move on to another one. St. Johnston versus Livingston. Uh, the Jet forced a, a strong save from Zlamal. What did you think of that? Were you happy to see Zlamal make a good stop for once? <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly been a rarity, yes. Um, it's a save that he should make for me, to be honest. I don't know whether he's put some more kind of emphasis on it being dramatic. It's perhaps one for the cameras, but I, I just feel when I'm watching Livingston, if it isn't going to be J. Emmanuel Thomas, it's, it's going to be nobody else. Um, I think it's therefore vital that they get him tied up for another year or two. I'm seeing the Aberdeen links sort of in the press and what have you, but. I feel like Livy could be in real trouble um, if they don't secure his signature for another season at least. I think that's reflected in kind of their form. I think it's one win since about mid-early February. Um, since that, remarkably, since that unbeaten run where it was, what, 14 games without defeat. Um, and since then, probably coupled with the defeat to St Johnston in the Betfred Cup final, the downfall's just been remarkable. And... I'd be very concerned if I was a Livingston fan, particularly with having not signed J. Emmanuel Thomas up as of yet. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think uh, J. Emmanuel Thomas has been, you know, by far Livingston's best player this season. We know last season it was uh, Lyndon Dykes. Um, he got his big move. Looks like Jack, the Jack could be on his way to, to Pataudry. Um they are also going to be without a, a, you know, an actual contracted striker. So I can see that move making sense. But for Livingston, you know that that will be a real worry because they don't have anyone that really looks it could bag the goals for them. Um, should Livy have had a penalty? Um, not for me. Um, I th- I feel as though it's the boy Cabia. I, I I don't know his I don't know his first name, but he he should score and he sends yeah. it straight at Bobby Lamal and. I think that doesn't really excuse the fact that he's probably looking for Jason Kerr's challenge, which inevitably comes, but it's well-timed, wins the ball, not a penalty kick for me. 
at first glance I thought, oh god, that could be a penalty, but then I seen the replay and Kerr's yeah. challenge was just superb. Um and it, it was one that, that you, you sort of have to make. If you don't make that it could be a penalty. So it was a great challenge. I've just sounded like Michael Owen there, but um yeah, listen, a great challenge. Um so that's sets St Johnston nicely, they've kept a clean sheet, sets them up nicely for their, their Scottish Cup final against Hibs next weekend. Speaking of Hibs, see that segue? Hibs versus Celtic at Easter Road, another one of the the dull, boring draws of the weekend. Um from the, the highlights that I seen, because um, I purposely made sure I was out having a haircut when the game was on. Um Moy El Unisic missed two early chances. Uh, unfortunate not to score Adam. Yeah, perhaps. Um, I think, if I'm being honest, this game, for me, perfectly encapsulates Celtic's season. Um, in this case, I feel as though it's obviously centred around Scott Brown, sort of building up the occasion, and ultimately it's ended in the most underwhelming fashion possible. Um, the first El Yunusi chance, if I'm looking at it, I, I feel as though Darren McGregor needs to feature more often for Hibs. I know that there's question marks regarding his fitness and staying injury free but I think should Ryan Porteous depart and if McGregor can remain fully fit like I say then they won't miss him all that much um, listen El Yunusi does all that he could do in order to send it goalward but it's smart from big McGregor to obviously have that awareness to get on the line and then clear off the line in sort of in that acrobatic fashion but for the second chance lovely layoff from from Odson Edward a nice cushion bit of control but I don't know why El Yunusi takes it so wide. He seems a little bit hesitant and reluctant to shoot in my eyes. Um, I think he perhaps feels though, or he perhaps feels as though Marciano's going to commit and could have shot earlier, but of course the keeper doesn't and gathers it easily in the end. So, listen, El Yunusi could have had a hat trick because he also turns David Gray inside out. But Marciano definitely uh, got the better of him on Saturday. And it's quite fitting because he's the best goalkeeper that Hibs have had in a long time. That always used to be kind of a problem position for them. So it's um, it's a big blow to lose Marciano for Hibs. Mm. Hibs then conceded a free kick to Celtic, which Odson Edouard would step up and take. A little bit of uh, game playing from the, the Hibs wall, would you say? I'm a big fan of this sort of... Uh, well, I, I was going to say cheating, but it's it's. I don't know what you sort of That's dub it as. Statement. Uh, <laughs> I was just like it's it's quite cheeky from Hibs to try and steal a couple of yards, and listen, it works because the second obviously crashes into the wall after you know a fantastic free kick from Watson Edward in, in the first place. But so it's obviously paid dividends for them uh, on this occasion. They're, they're cheating, if you if you will. Yeah, it's, it's worked really well, but can't take away anything from the, the free kick. Looked like an absolute stunner. Definitely um, not. Definitely doesn't send Odson Edward um, out of Celtic with a, with a bang. Um, Jackson Irvin had a late chance. Was he unlucky? He claimed for a corner, but it, it wasn't given. How unlucky was that? Um, relatively. I, I just feel as though, other than the kind of Dre right half chance in the first half, Hibs really did do nothing. I think it would have been typical had they sort of nicked it with Jackson Irvin's chance, given you could argue that it's probably against the run of play. Um, it's, it's a decent flick from Big Dodge, who's certainly a handful. Um, and I just feel as though sometimes you've got to mix it up and sort of go that little bit longer, courtesy of the substitute in this case. Decent flick on, and I think had Jackson Irvin got over it, we could have seen 1-0 Hibs um, and a 
three points really stolen from Celtic on the last day of the season. Mm. Um, Hibs, obviously, they've maintained a clean sheet, so that sends them into Hamden on Saturday um, against St Johnston in the Scottish Cup final, feeling quite strong, not conceded. I'm really looking forward to this one. I think it'll be a, a strong game. What about yourself? I'm dreading it for obvious reasons. Um, oh, yeah, well. But I, I just I can't see past Hibs, unfortunately. Um, but fingers crossed that St Johnston can, can prove me wrong. I take it you're not going to be neutral in this one. You're going to want St Johnston to win? I, it's going to be very hard for me to try and stay neutral, I can't lie. Um, given, obviously, I've got a couple of mates that are Hibs fans and, and whatever, but I'll try my damnedest, mate. I love it, mate. Love it. Um, right, let's move on to the final game uh, of the weekend that we need to speak about, which was Rangers versus Aberdeen. Um, it's a win for Rangers that sees them go completely undefeated in the league. Um, we know that they've not won the, you know, they've not went undefeated in the cup competitions. But speaking solely in the domestic league, that they are invincible. Um, what did you think of the? the game as a whole um i'm gonna say that this game summed up aberdeen's season funnily enough their lack of any sort of offensive threat and cutting edge just became so apparent when i saw them on saturday and the ultimately if we're looking at the 90 minutes on the whole their defensive mishaps cost them on numerous occasions yeah i, I think the first one um joe lewis what what an error! See, this is the thing because I I know that it's a poor first goal to concede. It goes without saying, given the deflections, but to pin the blame on Joel Lewis and solely Joel Lewis, I don't know. I, I feel it's a bit harsh. I mean, I know that he should save it, of course. It goes without saying. Um, but you know, everybody's wary of the threat that James Tavernier poses as that kind of marauding right back. To not close him down and prevent the cross to me is just baffling. But of course. So then are the deflections. Um, Joe Lewis can do better, definitely. But I think he's quite rightly expecting it to sort of be hoofed away to safety and that contact just doesn't come. Yep. Um, decent finish from Roof for his, for his first goal in Rangers second. Lovely wee touch from, from Kimar Roof to send it goalwards. And I've got to be honest, I actually feel as though it's all Ryan Kent's doing. I, I think he does really well to keep it in play initially. It's a delicate touch from Roof. <laughs> Again, it's another deflection, but it's not like Rangers will care a job, to be honest. I mean, I, I feel as though Kimar Roof in the past sort of couple weeks and months, you know, all the onus has been placed on Alfredo Morelos for, for a good few years now from a Rangers perspective, but he seems to to chip in with, with a fair few. So I think having the pair of them... Obviously, we'll touch on another substitute who later scores as well. You know, it's a, it's a fantastic trio to have for Rangers and a, a real luxury. Yeah, uh, I thought Kent was, was, I think it was his first real meaningful play in the game and, it, and it's led to a goal and it was a nice wee touch, as you mentioned, from Roof. Um, Hornby missed a sitter, would you agree? Oh, it's a, it's criminal. Um, I think it might have been last week, actually, when I, I'd spoke about my admiration of Ryan Hedges. Um, it's a lovely ball from Young McKenzie, I think it is down the line. Ryan Hedges sends it into a perfect area where when you're watching it, you're thinking all it needs is a touch. And then you see Fraser Hornby's and you realise that there is an exception. It's it's a glorious chance. The goal's at his wake. And 
given Rangers' defensive efforts this season, it's a rarity, firstly, to be presented with an opportunity like that, but secondly, that an opposing team has scored at Ibrox. So the fact that he then misses that, I mean, from an Aberdeen perspective, they're probably thinking that they won't get a better chance within the game. Mm. Well, they did get a better chance, and it was Lewis Ferguson who also missed a sitter. Yeah, his is arguably even worse. Um, I think Fraser Hornby holds his run well, sends it across, you know, six six yards out, open goal. He has to score. Um, the replays show a wee bobble, but even still, I mean, why he looks to smash it, I don't know. Surely it's just a little pass into the net, and then Aberdeen are right back in the game, despite their dreadful first-half performance. Um, like I say, I just feel as though it perfectly encapsulated Aberdeen's season and that the lack of offensive threat so apparent. And at the back, they're just an absolute car crash, for want of a better phrase. Well, definitely, because the poor defending cost them for Roof second and Rangers third. I mean, what what was the Aberdeen player playing at? What are numerous Aberdeen players playing at? <laughs> I mean, Kimar Roof's already on the score sheet. He's sent through virtually by a Yanis Hanji tackle. And why neither Andy Constein or big Tommy Hoban, who, I mean, he's coincidentally given it away and sort of looks to point the finger elsewhere. Why yeah. neither of them nor any fullback is anywhere near Kemar Roof is beyond me. It's absolutely appalling defending. And I know that Aberdeen are looking to rectify that, having signed Declan Gallagher. But I just feel as though, particularly when you've passed up such great chances to get back in the game, it was obvious that Aberdeen would be punished further. Are Aberdeen missing Scott McKenna? Well, that's a good question. I think I think Aberdeen, the whole handling of the sale of Scott McKenna is was just very poor. I mean, the, the talk of the supposed fees from, I think it was, was it Stoke initially? Yeah. And perhaps Celtic, I think they were sort of the two strong links. Um and the reluctance to sell for a, a bigger price. He then goes to Nottingham Forest for not as much of the fee, and I'm aware that oh, I think by that time, sort of a year had been shaved off his contract and what have you, but I, I just feel as though they ought to have cashed in earlier and then probably could have found an adequate replacement earlier. So they've only really got themselves to blame in, the, in that scenario. Yep, no, I can't disagree. Um, And again, poor defending for uh, Rangers uh lost count fourth um came on route uh jermaine defoe yeah i'd alluded to it earlier i think it's such a luxury for rangers to have a player of jermaine defoe's quality to be able to bring off the bench even in this case at three nil up um greg stewart i think it is, sends him through another sub um but i mean jermaine defoe it just seems to send both tommy hoban and andy constine to get the morning papers couple rolls before you know a textbook finish past Joel Lewis who has no chance and it's a phenomenal finish at the near post when to me it seemed more obvious to go far post and kind of open that body that sort of finish that I like but listen Jermaine Defoe's track record speaks for itself and this was another textbook Jermaine Defoe goal yep can't disagree um, so that, that sort of wrapped up the, the action at Ibrooks, um, and that sort of wraps up the, the Scottish Premiership season um, for, for us. It's been a, I've enjoyed uh, covering all the, the sort of action in the, the Scottish Premiership over the last six months. 
um and we will be back in august to to do the same um so thanks very much to every single person that's uh, subscribed or followed the podcast liked retweeted uh shared to their mates uh you know commented reviewed all that good stuff that that podcasters love just you know everybody that's taken time to be involved in the podcast i can't thank them enough adam i know you're you're just new but thanks very much for for coming on the last couple of weeks you've somewhat become a a regular um so so no thanks to you we will be back next monday at 4 p.m on spotify and itunes as well as google podcast to recap all the action from the scottish cup final between hibernian and st johnston it's a game that's it it's a game that looks to be an intriguing encounter and we cannot wait to recap it all for you if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast or followed then make sure you do so you can subscribe on itunes and follow on spotify make sure you do because it just means that the newest episode will be downloaded straight onto your device and you can listen to it without hassle if you haven't already left a review for us on itunes then please do that as well because it really helps the podcast grow and letting us know what we can do to make the listening better for you is also a mutual benefit so if you want to tell us how we're doing that's fine if you want to tell us what we can be doing better that's also fine um as we say any sort of constructive criticism uh, helps the podcast grow so if you can please do that and if you haven't already followed the podcast on twitter it's at daystefano talks you can keep up to date with all the latest episodes on there and you will be the and it will also be the first place that you find out about when the new season kicks off and when De Stefano Talks Talking Scottish Football will be back for your listening pleasure. Thanks very much to every single person. Without keeping you on too long, have a good day and we'll see you next Monday at 4pm on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcast. Mm-hmm.